G'day community and welcome to the Jock Reynolds Supercoach Podcast. We're here for round 12. I'm Lech Dog and I'm joined by a very special guest. It's Steve from Draft Doctors. How are you, Steve? I'm doing well, mate. Bit chilly, bit chilly, but uh, great to be here. Thanks for having me on. No, pleasure to have you, mate. You look very rugged up on your end, so uh, hopefully we can heat things up and we can have a, a great time. Shout out, by the way, to Telebeats for the music that you're hearing right now. Steve, Draft Doctors, I love it. It's the best draft content there is. And you guys are back? Question mark? Uh, we are. We are. Um, after a bit of a break, uh, we've, um, we've made the decision to come back after the buy rounds this year. So we're very excited to, uh, to come back and bring the draft content with a little bit of a, a reboot of ideas. So um, my newborn child is a little bit older and a little bit more manageable and, and we're, we're all good. We're all good. Real life can only get in the way of footy for so long before footy takes over. So I think uh, on behalf of all the Draft Doctors fans out there, we say thank you for coming back. Welcome back. If you're not a follower of the Draft Doctors, you can follow them at the Draft Doctors on Twitter and find the podcast. Where is it? Is it everywhere? iTunes, everywhere? It's everywhere, yeah. Yeah, just find it. You'll know it. They do great drafts. Latest episode was, what was the latest episode, Steve? Uh, We did the one team Draft. So you had to fill a five seven one five lineup, uh, only using one player from each club, and that was a lot of fun. Hard, very tough. Uh, it seemed to be scraping, scraping the bottom as it got towards the end there. But it was a good listen. It was a great listen. Love all the boys. So obviously, you guys are draft focused. Steve, do you do you play much classic? We obviously talk about Supercoach Classic here for the most part. Um. Is that where your interests lie? Do you, do you play the classic formats? Yeah, actually, Supercoach Classic was my first um, AFL fantasy exploration. I uh, still play classic quite poorly. Um, so, yeah, no, I do have a team. I uh, do manage to to um, play. I think my best rank was 500. So, you know, <laughs> I'm just a, just a plotter, just a plotter. Mate, being a plotter, you'll fit right in here. You will fit right in. <laughs> like we, uh, I there was one year where Patch was good at really good at Supercoach, and we've brought in a few really talented people into the website. But just slowly over time, you can see we're bringing them down to our level. <laughs> and that's what we like about it, to be honest. We don't want anyone succeeding too highly on the podcast. Uh, let's talk about your team personally before we get into the the Supercoach news of the week. What's your your major busts and your major booms from the season? Any good picks stand out to you? Let's start positive. Any great picks you've you've started with? Uh, I, I um yeah, Tom Hickey was a good pick. Uh, I sort of screwed it up when he got injured, but he was a good pick. Uh, Hugh McCluggage has been pretty good. Started with him. Uh, your boy Daniel Rich, Crisp, and uh, yeah, that's, those are probably my big hits, I guess. Oh, I love that. I love Daniel. I love hearing Daniel Rich's name, man. I just shout out, we'll timestamp this recording on the Monday night. So if there's any news we miss, it's because we recorded on Monday, but I just secured a signed Daniel Rich footy card on eBay, uh, much to the chagrin of my partner, but I have done it nonetheless. Yeah, very good. Very good. I'm behind that. 
<laughs> Tom Hickey, great pick, by the way. Great pick. Patch, famously this year, I believe he he traded Flynn to Hickey. Then Hickey got injured, so he traded him back to Flynn, and then Hickey was named the next week. So I'm assuming you didn't do that as well? No, I did something far stupider. So the week Hickey got injured, I actually copped two other injuries. So I was going to have to field a donut somewhere. And I went, you know what, I'll just I'll trade the others and I'll get back to Hickey, Hickey later. Because he was out for two months or eight, six yeah. weeks or whatever the hell it was. He didn't, was legally dead. Didn't even bother checking the team sheets. So I've held him the week and then the next week traded him out. And, of course, he played. And um, now I've got Toby Nankervis. <laughs> yeah, right. Who, about six seconds into that game on the weekend, you would have been very worried about. But yeah. Seemed to... Seemed to Seem to carry on. Hey, I wanted to talk to you about this. I, I sent it to you on, on Twitter and DMs before we started, and I forgot about it. I didn't put it in the run sheet, so apologies. But Emperor, or Amp, he likes to be called, at Emperor, at E-M-P-R underscore X on Twitter. Uh, he's a good, good, good super coach man, but he, he posted this team, the 2021 super coach ideal starting team, and he's saying that if you started this team and made no trades and made no substitutions and copped donuts, you would and just left your captaincy and vice captaincy on the players that he started with, you would still be ranked number one in Supercoach, which says to me, you should never trade. You should just pick a good team and stick with all your guns. But some of the names in here, one you mentioned, we got Callum Mills, Daniel Rich, who you mentioned, and Blake Hardwick. Who thought Blake Hardwick was going to be good this year? Yeah, that's that's a tough one. That's a tough one to wear. Mate, he's one of the highest scoring defenders. He's averaging yeah. like close to 100 this year. It's insane. He's been someone we've used in draft um, off the waiver-wise, and, and he's just kind of always there. You pick him up. He scores you 75, 80. But, you know, obviously with Sicily out, there's a lot of points. Um, a lot of teams are using multiple defenders, and there's a lot of points to be had down there. So, hey, if you picked him, good good work. Oh, it's a hard it's a hard sell though. Oh, it's a hard sell. Even I was looking at him to replace uh, or to to do my final upgrade the other day in defense. I ended up going with Ridley because even though Blake Hardwick's numbers are all better, I just can't bring myself to bring Blake Hardwick into my team and go, yeah, that's a selection I feel comfortable with. Yeah, I yeah, hundred percent, and that's where you just got to be. Uh, the rest of that lineup in defense: CJ, Nick Cox, Kaczynski, Tom Highmore, Aiden Fife. In the midfield, a few big guns here, which probably speaks to going to guns and rookies in the midfield anyway. Clayton Oliver, Jack McRae, Bonton Pally, no surprises there. Jared Lyons, who's scored 1,307 points this year at 600K at the start of the year. He it looks like he's a bargain. And is it helped by Jared, uh, by uh, Lockie Neal not, not being there, do you reckon? I, I actually don't. Um, he was his um, first... If you, if you... Took his year before and the second half of the year before at Brisbane. This is what he was kind of doing. He, he's kind of been this good. So uh, it's, it's always a boost. Um, but Lockie Neal was regressing, if we don't forget. Um, so it's always tough to sustain that Brownlow form. But Jared Lyons always just under radar gun. Former Suns legend. Yes. Former Suns legend. We, I, we've got to find a way to identify these guys next year because there's got to be someone out there in the league doing this that isn't Jared Lyons that I refuse to miss next year. Anyway, let's let's push through the, the rest of this ideal starting team. Sam Walsh, 
I don't think there's any surprises there. I obviously didn't select him for those who listen to the podcast because I didn't want to curse him and bring dishonor to his family. Darcy Parrish, 465K. Steve, when you play midfielders in the midfield, it's weird what can happen. I think every fantasy coach was has been screaming about this for for two plus years, right? What? Why? Why not? Why not? So he, he finally got his go. Um, if you picked him at the start of the year, you wouldn't have been expecting this. Obviously, Dylan Shield getting injured, massive bonus. Amazing. He's a great player. Good to see. You love to player. see. And shout out to Craig who traded him to me in my keeper league last year. Really appreciate that little boost there. Tom Powell, James Jordan, Goulden, Scott McNeil, the rookies. The rough line's interesting. Brody Grundy, an obvious choice. We'll get to him very shortly with the injury news. And Nick Natanui, who I was pretty bullish on in the preseason. I just didn't see a world where you could pick him over Max Gorn in the classic format. Uh, what have you, you obviously didn't start one of Grundy or Gorn. Was Nick Nat ever on your radar? Not really. I didn't start either of the big rocks. Oh. Yeah, I went mega I cheap. assumed. Oh, excuse me for assuming. Well, Tom Hickey was my stud rock. Right, so he was R1. So was that what, Flynn, it was, Flynn um, Hickey and someone else? Oh, I can't even remember who the other. There was just a few. There was a few jobber level rockmen floating around at the start of the year. What was the other? Was it the other GWS guy? Or was Flynn the GWS uh, guy? There was Meek. Lloyd Meek was floating around. Yeah, it around. was something, something disgusting yeah. like that. Well, hey, I, I, I respect it. Forward line, which is what absolutely cooked me this year. Jack Zeeble, he's like the number one forward and, and is dominating and was 250K. And I didn't pick him because I wanted a safe option in Dane Zorko. Um, Jarman Impey, we know, we've talked about. Taylor Walker, did anyone start Tex? No way. No chance. Not even Tex. Not even Tex. His mum started Tex. Tex. Nick Hind, another interesting one, a guy who's averaging over 90 this year who I just didn't pick. I guess it makes sense. The points were there, the void of significance in that back line, but just not a guy that was on my radar. I don't, don't know about you. No, not mine. Not mine. Dane Zorko, which one player I did start on this list. <laughs> and uh, and then Bailey Dale, who I want to talk about a bit later. But Bailey Dale at sub 300K in Classic came out and he's averaging over 90 for the year, which another one I just did not pick. No, well, it's a complete role change. And, and you know, it's the same thing with Hind, obviously. And role changes can be good. They can be good, and uh, I've got to be better at identifying them. But I'm not, and let's be honest, I've been doing this for 10 years. I'm not about to start. Well, I mean, four of these guys are listed as forwards, and they ain't playing forward. Yes. Yes. Hindsight, all the reasons. So Impy and Zeebel in particular, I was I was big on in preseason, but I knew I wasn't going to start them because I was like, I'm too worried about the injuries. Ironically, they're the only two seemingly haven't been injured at all. Uh, I think we just got to... Hopefully this off-season we can get a bit more of a sample size and we can see those role changes and identify them a little bit quicker and a little bit earlier. But um, one lesson I'm taking away so far is jump on these guys while you still can. Like when, they're, when they're still cheap, if it looks like that role is going to be permanent, I think we've got to jump on rather than uh, waiting and seeing, which is my general approach to Supercoach, which is probably why I'm not super fantastic at it. Proactive, not reactive. Yes, that's very good and something that... It definitely does not apply to any decision-making <laughs> I move I make. Um, let's move forward. Let's talk 
this week by around round 12. Got a few teams missing. We get three trades. And obviously anyone we trade in this week is going to miss in the next two weeks. So my question to you, Steve, is we're advising the community here. I see there being three options we can do. You can do a, a huge triple dip downgrade if, if it works for you. Bank that cash, maybe get some warm bodies on for this round or prepare for some warm bodies in the next two rounds. We can just hold trade, trades, which is I always advise people doing. I've never done it myself, but I always advise other people to hold trades. I like to run out nice and early and panic for the rest of the season. Or we could look at upgrading. And, and I guess my question to you is, is there any reason to upgrade this week? Uh, I mean, I guess it depends on which situation you're in with how many trades you've got left, if you've spent a bunch early, if you've managed to bank a few. Um, I, I think this is a good week to downgrade personally. And then once the guys who have missed their buy, then you upgrade them, et cetera, et cetera. That's just my thoughts. Um, what, what are your plans? Yeah, look, my plans this week, I, I've been actually trading trading in players for the most part who had the round 12 buy, knowing that I had a shitload of players missing round 14 and 13. So I've been trading over the last couple of weeks or last four weeks, targeting players with the round 12 buy who I think could be keepers, knowing I could, I could uh, cop those zeros this week. So I'm in a position where I've got a pretty good team on the park for round 12. I think a lot of people have been that, but I'll be looking to uh, to downgrade a couple of rookies, maybe jump on uh, like a Net Reeves or someone who we'll talk about very shortly um, early, even though he's not playing this week, and, and try and get some cash and warm bodies for the next two weeks. There's obviously risks with downgrading this week in that I don't know that the player I'm downgrading to is guaranteed a game in round 13 or 14, but I think that's a little bit of a calculated risk. There's, there's no one presenting such fantastic value outside of maybe Isaac Heaney, who I'll get your thoughts on uh, when we go through the upgrade targets, uh, that, that is enticing me to trade. So yeah, I think I'm a, I'm a downgrade and I'm probably not going to use three trades either. I, I might be two downgrades, bank one trade and hope I don't have any injuries to deal with uh, come next week. Yeah. Have you? How are you tackling it? I'll be doing all three trades. I've um so I've got nineteen left. I think that's pretty reasonable. So I'll be going three three three. Uh, try to be aggressive in the uh, buy rounds and, and make up some some ground. Um, so we'll see where we go with that. So it's probably going to be two down, one up. Yeah, I like that. Uh, anyone in particular targeting for that one up? Uh yeah, it's probably it's probably Heaney. Uh, I didn't go early on him. Um. So going to be reactionary, but I'll probably just have to have a bit of a look and, and check the break-evens. I generally do that later in the week. All right. That sounds fantastic. We're going to cover Heaney, I promise. <laughs> Let's move into Supercoach injury news because there are a couple of injuries. Collingwood's management of Taylor Adams continues to be stellar, Steve. He's now priced at $470,000, break-even, 128, and he's uh, going to miss the next two to three weeks with a knee. So if for whatever reason you jumped on him in that one pu- one week this season where he wasn't injured, it's, I mean, I'm not going to advise... I'm advising you to trade him because I just don't trust them to manage him properly at this stage. You couldn't have I'm him. I'm not an expert. You couldn't have him. No one should have him. I, um, I actually am kind of glad he got injured at the start of the year because he was my first locked-in midfielder this year. I was like, he's going to have an awesome year. I'll pay the big bucks for him. I don't mind that. And... Uh, Luckily, he he had those question marks heading into round one, and then uh, I didn't pick him because he's barely played since. 
Yeah, I had him like as a top five mid. He was one of my boys this year, and same with Matt Crouch actually, and it was unbelievable, unbelievable. Matt Crouch heading into uh, lockout. You can go and look at my team reveal. In that in that final position, it was between Boke and and Matt Crouch for me. And at that stage, they hadn't actually announced that there was anything significantly wrong with him. And Baron von Crow from the website messaged me and he said, "Hey, mate, I think I think he's going to miss miss at least round one with uh, with like a, a groin or something." And I, I considered going, "Oh, I'll I'll hold him through round one." And then the news come out, "Oh, it might be two weeks or three weeks." And he's how how far are we in now? Twelve weeks? Yeah. He hasn't played. Yeah, and, and it doesn't look like coming back till the end of the year. If then, no. why would you even bother then? I wouldn't. Yeah. You wouldn't play him. Is he? Oh, depends on his contract situation. I'm not. I'm not sure he is in terms of free agency. But no, put him on ice. There's no point bringing him in. Uh, other injury news: Steve Aratio Fantasia. He's a test for this weekend with a knee. 286k break him to 67. A lot of coaches seem to still have him floating around as a as a swing man. I think. I think he's one you probably hold and just try and get through the buys with him. Maybe field him. It's best 18, so his score probably won't count. But I just I'm not sure why people still have him, to be honest. Yeah, I think that's one of those things. Like, because I started with him in AFL Fantasy Classic, and I and it was like, oh, I'll just trade him out because he had a good run at the start. But then other problems emerged, don't they? And and then it's like, well, hell, he's still scoring me seventies. Bob's up with a ninety something every now and again, and it's like, well, these other problems are more pressing. And it's the buy rounds, and you've got a ratio. <laughs> Sam Berry and Riley Garcia, I've lumped them together. They've got concussion protocols. There are teams that have them or people would have been looking at Garcia as a potential buy-in option in the next few weeks. But uh, I think if you have them, hold them. But let's not spend any more time on them. Last one, Brody Grundy landed on his neck, went to hospital. He's $627,700. Break-even is one sixty-two. And he's going to miss two to three weeks. Let's work off the assumptions it's three weeks. So he's going to miss two games. Are we holding? Can we afford to hold him through the buys? He's going to come back and lose cash. Is he worth trading? What do you think, Steve? I think it probably depends on your situation. If you're pretty high up and say you're going for a prize, you have to be aggressive. Um, but if you if you've spent a bunch of trades already, you probably have to just wear it, I think. I mean, everyone's different, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. everyone is different. Um, there are some options. We'll talk through them now. But if you want to trade him, my advice is 100% hold. He's only, in theory, going to miss two weeks of actual football. And those two weeks are going to be the buy rounds, right? So it's going to hurt your best 18, but all you need is one fringe player from your 22 to uh, to have a decent score in those weeks. There are some options. The obvious one, Steve, is Max Gorn at 614K. He's way cheaper than he was at the start of the year. His break-even's 124, so he's going to hold his price or slightly lose it. And his three-round average is 120. Uh, he's, he's only had the one bad game this year, 63 against North Melbourne in round seven, but since then hasn't dropped below 112. If you didn't have Gorn and you wanted to get rid of Grundy, a lot of hypotheticals here, Steve, but that's how we roll. <laughs> are you moving him to Gorn or are you trying to find more value? i got a really um, – got a name, Riley O'Brien. His break-even right. is absolutely nothing. It's like 40-odd. 40, 40 
He's going to be facing Collingwood this week without Grundy. Hard to see him losing that, and he and he's by he has got the last buy Adelaide. So I, you could probably do worse. You could probably do better. Yeah, Riley O'Brien, who apologies to whoever was on Twitter, uh, asked me if they should bench him on the weekend, <laughs> and I said, yeah, sure, bench him. He's a spud at the moment because they had like. They had like, I don't know, Flynn and Grundy or something like that. And I said, yeah, bench him, whatever. He's 454K, break even is 48, and he scored 147 on the weekend. He's lost 116 grand. It's an interesting one because I I agree, you're right. There's there's value there. You trade Grundy down to him, you're making, what's that, 160 grand to upgrade somewhere else. In theory, he could be a primo output. We know last year... He averaged 106. I don't mind it, Steve, but which is the true Riley O'Brien? Is it the bloke who scored 147 last week and 135 in round four? Or is it the bloke who scored 60, 54, 80, and 77 from round seven to 10? Yeah, it's, it's, the, it's the bad one. That, that's the real <laughs> one. He keeps running into Ruckman who seemingly just get injured. He's had like four games and there are all these good scores where the opposition Ruckman's either been a dud or gotten injured at the start of the game. So I don't buy it, but it's more just to see you through without losing uh, points and probably making some money out of it. So I know it's a bad, and this is why I'm bad, a classic, but it's, um, <laughs> and you could get stuck with Riley O'Brien, much like Horatio Fantasia. It's certainly not a move you're making to keep him through the end of the year. You probably want to pick up Brody Grundy on the other side when he's a little bit cheaper, but uh, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, he'll essentially be the only Ruckman playing against playing in the Collingwood game. I don't, I don't think uh, they. I don't even know who they have on their list that's a Ruckman. Yeah, there's not much. There's not much. Then he's got St Kilda, who he'll have to face against. Uh, Paddy Ryder scored 143 against them last year, and then he plays the Blues in round 15. And look, the the Blues co- combination of Pitt and Net, Casbolt and TDK certainly hasn't been. <laughs> destroying teams of late. No. So he's got a f- couple of decent opponents for, for a Ruckman yeah. coming up. The other names that I wanted to throw at you, Nick Nat, 585K, break him to 68, had 163 on the weekend. This is a keeper option. He barely plays, like he plays like 70% game time. He's averaging 1.9 points per minute, which is, I believe, the highest of any active player right now. So... If you're looking for a keeper and also making a little bit of cash, Nick Nat is is severely underrated. Yeah, I don't hate it. And then the other alternative, of course, is, and this isn't a trade-in, but if you have a Matt Flynn on the bench still, I suspect he's going to play rounds 13 and 14. So if you can hold uh, if you can hold on a cop to zero this week and you can just play Flynn, that, that might also be the option. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Rookie wise, we've we've got a, a fair few rookies. Not a fair few. We've got quite minimal rookies. We've got some rookies. I just I got excited. We've got some rookies to look at, Steve. Two of them are ruck rookies, and this is where we might look at using one of these guys to cover Grundy, trade out Flynn down to either a Ned Reeves who's not playing this week or a Callum Coleman Jones who's playing this week if he gets named, and you're making at least two hundred grand which is a pretty good heading into the upgrades season. Callum Coleman-Jones, 161K, break-even is negative 45. He's only played one game, but he did score 112 and kick four goals 
on the weekend. Is this a bloke that we're looking at for a Matt Flynn downgrade? Oh, I wouldn't have thought so. All right, doesn't I don't know. Okay, that's good because know. he's the like the most traded in player this oh, round. Well, what do I and know, man? What do I know? <laughs> I'm not looking to trade him in myself because I much prefer. I'm happy to cop the zero in the rough this week, and I much prefer targeting like a Ned Reeves next week, who's 123k. Break even is negative 98. He has played two games and he scored a 90 on the weekend. Yeah, that's probably where I'd be looking um, if you can be patient. Yes. Well, un- patience is a virtue. And unfortunately, um, <laughs> a lot of people aren't patient in Supercoach, myself included. I actually had this awesome plan for, for the buy rounds for when Flynn had played and I was going to trade him out and swing. I think I had, uh, who did I have? Tom Fullerton. I was going to swing him to the fort in the oh. rucks and it was all fantastic. Yeah. But then I got drunk and traded Fullerton uh, down to like Bo McCreary and he scored 30 and got injured. So patience is a virtue. Diamond hands. <laughs> um, the other rookies that people are trading in, Trent Bianco, 83 on debut for the Pies, 123K mid-defender. Is this someone, he's only played one game, I don't like going early on rookies, but is this a guy that, that coaches could consider going early on? Yeah, I will. I absolutely will. Yeah, 100%. I like it. He's, he's sort of... Uh, he he looked comfortable at the at the level. I think Caleb Poulter looked comfortable at the level. There's been a few rookies that I've traded in this year, and I've gone. I'm not too super sold on these guys, but watching the game, I I really liked what he put out there, and um, and I think he's a viable option. I think in the buy rounds, if you're ever going to go early on a player, it's it's the buy rounds. So I don't mind that. Yeah, he he looked good. He used the ball well. Adams is missing. Pendlebury is injured, seemingly. So there's points galore in that midfield. I'm, I, I, there's no reason not to for mine. And the final, yeah, I agree. And also Collingwood, I'm not a hundred percent sure what their actual goal is because they don't look to it to me to be like a team that's like tanking to because they don't need to because they're getting day costs. But they also don't seem to be very good. So I just feel like Bianco is going to be good just by circumstance, like. He doesn't really have a choice. He's just going to be good. Yeah. I, the only thing that could um, get in his way is backroom discussions probably because it seems <laughs> to be a club in peril. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing is that's going to get in the way is if, uh, you know, he runs over Bucks's dog and then he's going to get traded because they paid him too much money and then, yeah. It's on the table. Anyway. Who knows? I'm, I'm saying it now. Trent is on the trade table. <laughs> My you God. Can, Put that, put that in your trade rumors articles, everyone. I'm putting it out there. Moneyball. The Moneyball. Hashtag Moneyball. The final uh, rookie that I see as, as someone who's still in the discussion is James Madden. He played his third game on the weekend. He's now 176K from Brisbane. Break even is negative 40. He's a defensive forward swing. Is it too late to jump on a guy like this or even at the 50K elevated price, do you think he's still got some value for us? It seems like a lot for a guy with maybe poor job security. Is that fair? Well, or... That's what I was, I was going to ask you what you thought because uh, you know, I thought he was a reasonable trade-in option last week, but I got talked out of it by some Brisbane people. They said, we've got like eight players about to come back in. Why would you be trading for Madden? So you also have question marks over that that job security? Yeah, well, I think isn't isn't the golden rule you want to make 
it, it trades worth 200 grand sort of thing. Um, I, I see him as being one of those guys who gets a couple of upgrades and then is out and you're left short of where you need to be to make a decent downgrade. Yeah, oh, the, the, you mean the reason I'll have Harry Sharp on my bench oh, at yeah. the end of round 23? Don't, don't talk to me about Harry Sharp, but <laughs> yeah, that, that sort of thing. I t- between him and Dev Robertson, who I had on my bench for the entirety of 2020, even though they gave us five trades one round to fix those sort of issues, and I chose not to because I was like, I'll hold these trades. <laughs> I won't use them. I've got some issues with uh, rookies from Brisbane Lions. They're not afraid to play the kids, so... It'll get you in trouble. Sometimes you'll win. Yeah, I feel like I, I lose more than I win, but thank you for the support. They're, they're like the Bulldogs, though. Like they'll... Oh, they play. They they push a lot through. They just don't give them enough time for us. Yeah, that's right. That's the selfish bastard sinking of the winds. And... <laughs> they're like, oh, wait, we're playing so many kids. We're, we're young. We're dynamic. Look, the team's changing. We're still winning. Yeah. But it doesn't help me. No. <laughs> like, oh, fucking Bevo. Oh. <sighs> And then the Blues don't play any rookies at all, so who knows? Whatever. We don't need to talk. We we don't. We don't. I'm sad. We can talk some upgrade targets because whilst I think that most people will be in a situation where they're they're downgrading, there will be people looking for upgrade options this week. We talked about him earlier. Presents supreme value. Isaac Heaney, 398,000. Break-even is 25. Projected to jump another 30k after his 128 against the Blues. We didn't want to play anyone on him. We didn't want to shut him down because uh, he's not like he has a history of being damaging against the Blues. What's your thoughts, Steve, on Isaac Heaney? Just get him. Just get him. That's it. There was question marks over his health. Is that not something uh, you fear? Oh, well, every player's got a chance to get injured, like, you know. You're injury prone until you're not. I just it, It's too good a value. It's probably like you were talking about with Zeebel at the start of the year. Oh, I won't pick this guy because of et cetera, et cetera. I think uh, even he jumped 50K on the weekend, but still being sub 400 and a forward this year when the forwards are awful, uh, I, think, I think he's a good buy-in. I thought he was a good buy-in last week. I just didn't want to bring him in because of his buy. Didn't expect him to score 128, so I'm going to pay extra and then only get one week of production out of him, which is <laughs> And you have to like painful. that he's um, picking up more uncontested ball, which is something he probably hasn't done particularly well in the past. And he probably hasn't been allowed to. or you know, They've kind of got Callum Mills in there now that's, that's probably taking up a load of that uh, more contested ball and giving him an opportunity when he pushes up the ground to get on the outside of it. Yeah, I think it's just great for his output, though. Oh, it's awesome. Uh, I think you look at his last... Let's look at his last three games. 22 touches, 24 touches, 22 touches. He's getting on the outside in the last those last three games. Six marks, six marks, 14 marks. He's he's there thereabouts, and he still hits the scoreboard, which is which helps just uh, lock in those 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 points for Supercoach. I've got a whole list of players I want to talk about for targeting this week that I think all present value in some way, shape, or form. Jack Steele, 577K, break-even is 93. Averaging 116 with a score of 1 for 54 on the weekend, but does have a round 14 buy with all of those uh, like Melbourne players and all those scary players, assuming the buyers play out the way they're supposed to. What do you say about Jack 
Steele. Love Jack Steele. Love Jack Steele. Is he someone that you'd be targeting at? I mean, he still presents value, but he's still like he's he's expensive. Yeah, and but I mean, you got to pay to pay for quality, don't you? So if you're not going to the top of the tree, he's probably a good, you know, he's going to get you more points than than what you had before. I feel like someone who's averaging 116 should be priced more than five hundred and seventy-seven thousand uh, dollars. If you get a if you get a primo for under six, it's pretty good. It feels good. It feels good. Well, speaking of primos who are under 600K, for those of you who uh, might have seen my video on Twitter, the spirit of Patrick Cripps spoke to me last week. Cripper, what do you think I should do? Oh, yeah. I reckon you're going to trade me in. I've seen myself getting about 140 this week. I haven't done it all season, but I've been waiting for this one important game against the... Chestnuts, Sydney Swans. Well, there it is, folks. The spirit of Cripper has spoken to me and he wants me to trade him in. His season's about to turn around. He promised me a score of 140. I traded him in and he got close. He scored 133, $449,000, break even of 41. He's going to go up in price this week. Touch wood, touch all the wood. I know people have a really tough relationship with him this year, but do you think he is a buy-in option? Uh, if you're a Carlton fanboy, maybe. <laughs> He's not for me. He's not for me. I am um, I love Patrick Cripps, don't get me wrong, but um, I think his previous seasons were too good. So I don't think that's his... You should expect that output. I think it's more in the sub 110 range i i don't disagree i think he i think he peaked too early the reason i have traded him in because i did uh is because he led the, the blues in tackles for the last three weeks which is not something he had been doing for quite some time uh and he's and he'd gone back he's gone back to that more i'm not trying to do it all and kick long i'm just going to dish the five meter handball and yeah and chain it up with walsh so that's why i bought him in I understand the difficulty and I will not recommend him. Three round average of, I think it's 107. So I'm just putting him out there. I bought him in. You guys don't all have to at home, guys and girls and people. Wait, what is he? Like 400 and... $449,000. I mean, is, is, is that a downgrade from Jordan at this point? That's like, that's super it's cheap. It's pretty close. Yeah. It's pretty close. You can't hate it. I Look, he's 449K. If he averages 105, I think he can. Yeah. If he averages 100, am I happy with that? I think I am. Yeah. Yeah. But but there are people out there better than me that will not trade him in. So. Yeah. All right. Let's talk more value, Steve. Tex Walker. He's a forward. He's $383,000. He's scored 97 on the weekend. His break even is 32. He lost a shitload of cash. People are trading him in this week. It's happening. He's one of the most traded in players at time of recording. Do you have any interest in the big Texan? Back-to-back scores, 101-97. No, and I love... Oh, and he might score well this week too against Collingwood. Um, I, I just can't do it. And I love watching him play well. Don't get me wrong. Love watching him play. Um, but he's not for my fantasy team. There are... Uh... 
people who jumped on him when he was over 400k, I, I feel bad for them. But if they held through the score of 42 and 29 and then the, the managed game after that, I'd keep holding. I, I'm not targeting him. I'm not trading him in. Yeah. But I'd just keep holding. I'd just keep holding. I I worry about guys who require three, four, five goals to score in Supercoach. Yeah, the problem is with what Tex was doing at the start of the year is he was kicking half of Adelaide's goals, and that's simply unsustainable. Um, so, look, he could, he could average in the 90s from here on out, and he'd be a great buy. So... If, if you've already got him, yeah, I, I agree, hold, especially this week. I just can't bring myself to recommend him, though. <laughs> no. Oh, God, no. No. Uh, speaking of players who present value, he's actually jumped a shitload this week. Darcy Moore, 454K, break-even is 27. Five-round average of 95. If you're looking for, like, a defensive option who's a little bit underpriced, who... Is it seems like going to play in defense because his coach probably doesn't want to get sacked. Darcy Moore fits the bill. Yeah, he's good. He's good. This is going to be ups and downs, isn't it? It is. He's, he's the kind of guy where, I mean, you've seen it since returning to the back line. He can pump out a 130, but yeah. he can also pump out a 70. Yeah. And that's, that's, what you, that's what you buy when you buy Darcy Moore. Yeah. I quite like him as, as an option. Once again, I will uh, preface all of this, or not preface, I'll just reiterate this. I don't like upgrading this round because you're 100% bringing in someone who's going to miss within the next two weeks. That's the problem. That's the problem. I'm just going to keep saying that. All right, I've got a few more names to throw at you. We can probably power through these guys. Darcy Parrish, 622K, three-round average of 141. Seems pretty good. He's good. He's good. He's at the top of his price range, isn't he? Oh, he's, if you're buying him now, you're paying for absolute peak. You're hoping Dylan Shield isn't coming back and you're hoping Essendon can keep playing this sort of exciting game where he's able to impact. Yeah. Yeah, good for him. Good for him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm taking that as not a total endorsement into I'm not, paying 620 grand for it. Well, I'm not buying him because there's no value. So, yeah, no, he's yeah. absolutely peak, peak. Another guy who's probably peak price, but I just thought was interesting. I thought I'd throw him in here. Chris Main, not a name that I've probably ever mentioned on this podcast other than accusing Collingwood of thinking he was David Mundy when they traded for him. <laughs> for his 492K, break-in with 41, but I just thought this was interesting. Last five games, 84, 97, 112, 112, 142. He's he's putting scores up. Yeah, he is. He is, and um, there's such an interesting team Collingwood and, and what's going to happen going forward. Um, yeah, you just can't do it, can you? There's no way. You can't. He's a guy that I, I've picked up off a of waiver wire in, um, in a couple of my draft leagues. So I'm happy in that respect. Yeah, that, and, but, that's, uh, and that's Chris Mayne. He's like Blake Hardwick. Yes, if you got him in the, draft, good for you. Yes, well done. But good God, keep him away from my classic team. Yeah. And just because we've covered the... Defenders, we've covered the mids, we've covered the rucks. A couple of forward options to throw at you. Bailey Dale, $502,000, break even of 47. His price is going to increase again. Since round two, he's only had one game below 84, and he has a five-round average of 108. Yeah, he's good. And he's um, he's hungry for the ball, isn't he? 
He wants the ball. Yeah. But not in a Caleb Daniel way where he's like kind of standing there by your side begging for it. Like he's hungry. He actually kind of gets it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't mind it. Don't mind it. I don't mind it either. I know he's a, in the, the Supercoach Brains Trust article. He's going to be a big talking point uh, on the Herald Sun in the next, whenever that article drops. You are pay- you're not paying quite top price, but you're paying pretty close to. But around 500k, I'm pretty comfortable paying for someone around that in the forward line or the defensive line. Like I'm not too stressed about 500k. Yeah. And then Shy Bol- Shay Bolton, sorry Richmond fans who keep correcting me. 512,000. Break him to 97. In his last six games, his lowest score has been 99. You could probably hold hold off till post his buy with a break even of ninety seven. What do you think? I I I like him, man. I like him. He's a good player. So um, if you want to pick him up this week, you could probably do worse. But if you don't have Heaney, I'd say Heaney would be the priority, wouldn't he? Oh, I I agree. At one hundred and fourteen thousand dollars, if the savings, if you go for Heaney over Shea Bolton, uh, that's one hundred and fourteen grand. You can put into like a. Darcy Parish after his buy yeah. or something like that. Yeah. yeah. And I just wanted to touch on finally with you that just a couple of guys that are a couple of weeks away that have previously been super coach guns or fantasy guns, uh, be it classic or draft, probably classic. Let's listen to classic. Yeah. Are these guys that we're going to, is it worth leaving a spot open in your team for these guys? Lockie Neal, who's two weeks away, in theory. Patrick Dangerfield, who's two weeks away. Or Matt Rail, who's two weeks away. They've all got pretty big break-evens, except for Lockie Neal. Break-even is 94, price 578. Are we waiting for these guys? Is there any value in, in going, oh, I'm not going to upgrade in the buyers because I want to keep that one spot in the forward line open for Dangerfield or Oh, what do you think? yeah, that's a good one. Uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> I think it depends what story you want to tell yourself. Like, I I would be more comfortable probably buying uh, Lockie Neal, but I don't. I think there's so many good midfielders you don't need to. So. Yeah, so I agree. So five seventy eight, Lockie Neal was in his last game before he missed a bunch of time from. I can't remember what he scored, but he scored pretty highly. But you're right, since he went down and we thought he was going to be the number one top five, top ten midfielders for the year, heaps of these other blokes have put their hand up and, and stood up. Darcy Parrish we've mentioned, Jack Steele was always going to be a gun. There's a lot of these guys that are kind of taken his spot in teams. Yeah, I, I like Neil. We know there's Brownlow regression. That's just we know that happens. So he wasn't someone I was ever starting with. Um, just you're paying that premium. Uh, and, and like you said, other things happen. Like injuries occur. Um, Taylor Adams, Scott Pendlebury, all all these guys, Dylan Shield, and it opens up avenues for other people to become really good. See when, when um, Danger comes back, like one of the best guys I picked up in draft this year, and I don't, he's not salary cap relevant. Was Joel Selwood? He was cheap as chips. Yep. When all these guys, Mitch, and if you had him, like you're just watching all these guys get injured around him, like Mitch Duncan, Dangerfield, Cam Guthrie now, like everyone's getting injured and it's just like, dude, I'm trying to sell him, but I, I can't because everyone's out. So um, once these guys come back, I just, I, I don't know. I'm worried. Yeah. I've got a question, Mark. So I had a guy in one of our keeper leagues. I'm, I'm trying to vie for back-to-back flags. Offered me, tried to, tried to trade me Joel Selwood the other day, but what do I give up for him? Because I like if I give up a 
anything of value. Like I'm getting 10 games out of him and I don't know if people are going to come back and ruin him for me. So I've got a lot of question marks over these guys. Um, and Matt Rowell, I, I know I'm going to get shot for saying this, but I said it all last year. No, Anderson is, is better pick, better super coach pick, better draft pick. He's not injured. I don't. I don't want. To, I don't want to borrow Matt Rail. I know people are going to yell at me, but I just I, I, until he's not injured, I'm not interested. If Matt Rail comes back, I'd rather just sell Hugh Greenwood. Or if you had Took Miller, I mean Miller should be okay. But these guys are going to get impacted rather than Matt Rail just walk in and start banging out one tens again. Surely. Yeah, I I actually think that's a really a really good point that these these looming returns of these absolute jets we should be watching for who they're going to impact rather than targeting them as as targets when Lockie neal comes back does humor cluggage's form dip does it go at, does it drop because he's playing absolutely insane football at the moment but does all of a sudden you need to look at selling someone like him i think i think that's the question marks these rise these these players raise rather than uh, should we pick them yeah absolutely and i know i know shields probably not coming back in a hurry but you know Darcy Parrish if you had the luxury trades sort of situation you might even sell him at a premium because he might dip his scoring by 10 points a game yeah the other thing the thing is if I'm a if I'm an AFL club say I'm and Darcy Parrish is dominating he's playing really well but in real life compared to Supercoach is he dominating so much that he's going to keep Dylan Shield out of the only position he can play Probably not. He's pro- Dylan Shields going to come back and play midfield, and Darcy Parrish. Well, we've previously seen him play other roles, so yeah. I think he's more likely to be moved around than, regardless of how well he's playing, than than a Dylan Shield. Well, in that team, Stringer Stringer's been taking a lot of um, mid time, and Kyle Langford's been taking a lot of mid time, so they just have to share the points a little bit more. I think. Yeah. No, that's good. That's good. I like that. Let's watch for these looming returns and how they actually impact other players. All right, cool. Uh, thanks, Steve, for joining me. By the way, before we uh, say our final goodbyes, Steve, make sure you get your questions in for the Mailbag podcast. gets recorded on a Tuesday slash Wednesday. Just get your questions in now when you're listening and, and they'll probably get on. we got a shitload of content coming out. we got a mid-season draft review. It is going to be fantastic. But Steve from the Draft Doctors, thank you so much for joining me. Do you have anything to plug, anything to shout out? Oh, yeah, just head over to the Draft Doctors, listen to the podcast. When we return in a couple of weeks, like uh, Lex said before, we had the one player per team draft. That was a lot of fun. And um, yeah, hit us up on the Twitters, at the Draft Doctors. We, um, we're very serious over there. So very serious content. I, uh, I, I should say, Draft has, over the last few years, become my preferred format to play Supercoach. Obviously, our audience is classic, so that's why we do the classic content. You guys do an awesome job. The, uh, the, the, the Draft... What do you call it? The draft machine? The uh, what's it, what's Yeah, it? the mock simulator thing, yeah. The mock simulator is probably my favorite thing that you guys do. And the, the guide is obviously amazing as well. But sitting there doing fantasy drafts against a computer all day long while I'm at work is yeah. something I highly recommend. Yeah, yeah. It's surprising it took so long for that to for someone to do that. Anyway, it was us. Good. Give us money. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining, mate. It was an absolute pleasure. G'day community, Future Lake Dog here. Just as I was uploading the podcast, I realized that I forgot to include this week's hashtag sleeve watch award winner of the round, the round 12 sleeve watch champion. We had quite a representation this week. 
Just to name a few, Ed Langdon and Jaden Hunt both running around the first game of the week in the sleeves. Both scored pretty poorly, 36 and 35 respectively. We also had Bradley Close running around. He scored a 57. Riley Bonner in the Port Adelaide v. Fremantle game. He also donned the sleeves. He had 61 super coach points, but I'm going to give this one to the man himself. Sam Menegola, 17 possessions, 76 super coach points, but looked good running around in the sleeves. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it was their indigenous Guernsey as well with the sleeves. And I love that. I love a purpose-made sleeve. So Sam Menegola, congratulations for hashtag sleeve watch.